0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Inside story on BFM
2: 89.9. Good evening. You are with Lee Treeland and Sharad Kutin. Tonight, it's actually a continuation of sorts from yesterday's show because we're going to be talking about ambition and how times have changed.
3: There have been many terms describing this, whether it's China's lying flat phenomena in which young people are rejecting long working hours and the constant hustle, or
2: the more recognisable quiet quitting. So we want to know, are you an ambitious person? And has that changed over the years? You can call double seven 2900, tweet us at BFM Radio, and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. So, um, for the rest of our show, we're going to be using a lot of... terms that maybe not everyone is familiar with lying flat letting it rot quiet quitting so um, we thought perhaps it might be best to start things off with uh, a primer of sorts and rather than listening to us rattle on about definitions uh, you might appreciate hearing from experts so um, first up we have a selection of clips from a CNA insider documentary called China's Slacker Youths why they went from lying flat to let it rot you can find that uh, wherever you can find CNA documentaries so um Starting us off here is Associate Professor Alfred Wu explaining the meaning of tangping and how it eventually transitioned into bailan or letting it rot.
1: Tangping means that I cannot actually move up the ladder. I just uh, try to save myself by minimizing my social activity and economic activities. Bailan basically say no to the system. Uh, I will not cooperate. I even don't bother to uh, like, uh, be listening to you. I just uh, uh, try to actually have my own style, then I have my own antisocial behavior. behavior. Bailang is even worse than uh, Tamping. So that's the reason why Chinese leadership really worry about uh, this trend.
3: So why is this idea so appealing? Uh, Professor Lok Sang from the Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute of Lingnan University discussed why fresh graduates are so readily adopting the idea.
4: The idea of Tangping is actually uh, pretty universal in the sense that uh, uh, a lot of young people are tired of um, the kind of uh, games that uh, society uh, apparently is asking them to engage in and they're not too interested in this kind of uh, com- competition, you know. And uh, so they, they prefer a different kind of lifestyle. The number of graduates, you know, from universities and, you know, with college degrees is something like 10 million. Of course, this year is uh, quite challenging in the sense that so many graduate from college and uh, jobs are scarce. You know, the competition is keen. So that is why I'm saying that uh, 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 the idea that I, I don't want to engage in this kind of competition. I want to tang ping.
2: Meanwhile, Associate Professor Wu also discussed how the phenomena originates actually far earlier than social media and really comes from a lack of prioritisation of social welfare policies under Deng Xiaoping's leadership.
1: I would say that Deng Xiaoping opened the door, it's very good, and Deng Xiaoping had a lot of reform in China, also very good. But at that time, I would say uh, many people made a mistake. They think uh, market economy can solve everything, but they ignore uh, social development, they ignore social welfare. Then they develop some anti-social welfare sentiment. I think uh, the phenomenon of lying flat did not just start uh, from last year or the year before. It was there for a while. Uh, a lot of observers already noticed that uh, social immobility in China is a problem since early 2000s. Not actually just say in recent two or three years, because many Chinese suffer from they call it the burden of uh, three mountains.
3: Then he outlines the leading factors that have led to China's current situation, which include the property bubble, the education crisis, and China's aging society.
1: The property bubble really makes the society very much driven by property inflation. So many young folk, they could not afford to buy a flat because their salary would not actually enable them to afford an apartment. The education issue, they have for children to cultivate. They will feel that the tuition fee will be very much substantial for them, particularly private tuition fee. Some people told me that even a star tutor could actually charge you much more uh, like uh, 800, 1,000 Singapore dollars. It's uh, unbelievably for uh, these sort of people, particularly they are not earning a decent salary. The aging issue is irreversible in China. People are getting old, so uh, medical costs will increase. I'm not quite sure these current generation could actually have for the same money like their parents. So they need to have uh, lots of money for the future. And then the anxiety level will be very, very high
2: returning to professor Ho um, he also speaks about younger people's changing views on the meaning of life and fulfillment
4: we are now really getting to that stage in which uh, people's lives can improve uh, with a higher quality and less focus on getting rich you know and that is why these younger people a lot of these younger people who, who can reflect you know they are actually pretty smart you know because they they think that just trying to make an extra buck—that's that not the main purpose of life. You know, there's there's something else they're achieving in different areas.
3: Those were clips from a CNA insider documentary titled China's Slacker Youth, Why They Went From Lying Flat to Let It Rot. Now, to close off, uh, we have one more clip, and that's, um, this is from a CNBC documentary called Why Youth Unemployment is Surging in China.
2: Here, Evelyn Cheng from CNBC Business News talked about how a harsh competition has put the youth in a state of, quote-unquote, lying flat and sitting up.
0: I I recently heard another way to characterize the situation in in doing sit-ups. It's sort of expressing this idea that whatever sector you you try to make your way in, whether it's coffee or real estate or tourism, it's extremely competitive because everyone's trying to get their slice of the same pie. So if you're doing sit-ups, you're taking breaks between lying flat, and also participating in this intense rat race.
2: That was from a documentary by CNBC called Why Youth Unemployment is Surging in China. Now, to make it clear, um, we're not really talking about China, because that is a structural, policy-driven issue that would require you know just so much more knowledge than we have Um, but instead what we're trying to get at is this idea of how different generations think about working how different generations think about ambition and how much of that is driven by uh, what's happening around them because even if we look at Malaysia right we might not be talking about the exact same types of pressures but we're certainly talking about things like underemployment and how in some ways uh, our issues with underemployment could potentially be a Result. I'm not saying they are, but they could potentially be a result of um, lying flat. They could be a result of quiet quitting of people deciding actually I don't want to do the I don't want to do nine to nine to nine six days a week. That's the nine nine six work culture. I, I might not want to do that anymore. Um, I don't want to do anything extra. I don't want to go above and beyond. All I want to do is treat work like work, and then live a life that is within my means. You
3: know what's fascinating. If you look, live long enough, you see actually these changes, and some of it might even be kind of in between generations. A certain generation might also themselves start off in a particular way, and then hit a wall and get disillusioned because mm. because what happens often is that the rhetoric of, say, for instance, getting rich or you know living your best life in in a very materialistic way suddenly diverges from the opportunities to actually deliver on that, and then you see. Wow, I can't do this. Like they keep saying, exhorting me, exhorting me to, you know, be rich and live my best life. But actually, they're not giving me the means to do that. And when that realization sinks in, then you give up. So you're not giving up because you're a quitter. You're giving up because the system
2: uh, was, you know, uh, kind of loaded against you. There's also something to be said about how people view. Um people who choose to live like this or people who make these choices about their careers because I I think that... especially in a culture which still prioritises achievement, whether it's financial achievement or at least, you know, moving up in your company, at least having a job, you know, doing, you still prioritise that. That's still seen as a point of pride. Um, people who choose not to engage with that or, or say that this is not really the life that I'm that invested in or this is not really the way I want to make my living um, are sometimes viewed in, viewed as right? Um, they're viewed with some suspicion. They're, they're seen as slackers or, you know, why do you want to do this? And I think having a large enough movement around it is interesting because it does mean that people are saying, actually, no, I'm not a slacker. This is a collective thing. We, we collectively feel this way.
3: Yeah. And and that's when you have, uh, like you say, the kind of a cultural shift, right? Yeah. So if you think of the counterculture movement in the US, it, we are so familiar with because it's in popular culture, right? It's in the American movies that we watch, but because it's all over the world, and including China and, and, you know, other countries in the East and, you know, where where people have had changes in what they understand are, the, are their priorities. Um, and and again, you know, I think it's for an older generation that often it looks, because they've, they've adopted certain notions about the world, and they hold those without thinking about it. When the younger people come and question them, what do they say? What do you say to somebody who, who's saying, I see you burnt out a shell who's devoted everything to the company, and you've got nothing at the end of the day? Why do you want me to live your life?
2: I don't know if there's a proper answer to that. So we are asking you for your thoughts, uh, whether it's about the uh, the lying flat or letting it rot phenomenon. In other words, this idea of pushing back against long working hours of, um, in some ways, ambition and saying, I don't want that. I don't want that in my work life. Um, how do you feel about this? Uh, but on, on a more personal level, are you an ambitious person? Do you find that that has changed over the years? You can call 7773 2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 18 789 and tweet us at BFM Radio.
5: Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9.
2: It is 6.20 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lin and Sherrod. We're talking today about ambition and uh, changing ideas around it because of China's well-documented lying flat phenomenon among its younger generation. People, uh, younger folks who have decided, I'm not into the idea of constant hustle, I'm just... Not going to work that hard. So let us know um, what do you think of this, and also, are you an ambitious person? Do you find that that's changed over the years? You can call us double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio on the line with us. We've got Roberto. Roberto, good evening. What are your thoughts?
6: Good evening, guys. Uh, Sherad Lynn. Well, essentially, yes, I am an ambitious person but in the sense of uh, doing the right thing, trying to be there, uh, trying to make a mark, uh, leave a mark in uh, whatever I do. And yes, it also has changed over time. I remember when I just uh, was a fresh graduate, I was kind of, okay, I've done it. Uh, This is what is life all about. And so I'm gonna live my life like that. But suddenly I started realizing that uh, it was not enough and it was something inside me that kept pushing me to try to find uh, greener pastures (laughs) and here I am, I mean I I flew half of the world to try to find something to do better to uh, and then it's the same feeling but I... I, uh, I try to not to think ambitious in terms of practical issues, you know. Because ultimately ambition develops also resilience. The the will to try to do something. It's not just ambitious in, in work life, you know. I try to experience ambition in many fields, try right? to do better at uh, at exercising, try to do better at teaching, try to do better at reporting, you know. That for me is the meaning of ambition. Try to be better at what you do, whatever you want to do. I understand the the sense but of course, I'm also from a different generation. <laughs> I'm a Gen X totally. So I also sense with my daughter kind of that the feeling the new generations are like, oh, I will do the bare minimum just to have some life-work balance, sort of. But yeah, I I, I am an ambitious person.
2: Roberto, I, I wanted to pick up on that last point because, um, you know, you reference your daughter, you also work in um, an educational setting, so you deal with young people. And I, I'm curious whether Sherat, earlier said, you know, what do you say to somebody who says, you know what, I just want to do the bare minimum because I want a better work-life balance than what you had. I want different things than what you had. Um, how are you engaging with this idea of, of lying flat, so to speak, or quiet quitting?
6: I always try to show examples of people who have done a little bit more than the bare minimum. Uh, not just people, countries, uh, projects that have done a little bit more than the bare minimum. And I think I got my students and my own daughter excited about okay, I will try to do something more. And I will try to probably not emulate. And some of them have even gone beyond that. And just they didn't just do the the bare minimum. They even do way more beyond the bare minimum and and excel in in their professions now. I, I think that examples abundant, uh, around us nowadays of uh, successful stories about, okay, it's good to be ambitious. It's good to be uh, trying to do more, trying to get better, simply.
3: Very quick question for you. Um, you know, the... Because there's a skeptic in me. And sometimes when you read these stories, there's always somebody saying, oh, these young people I don't want to do so much. And this is what I, how I do it. I hang out. I go and have my drinks. And I'm thinking, well, who's funding your drinks? I mean, is this uh, also a reflection of the material comfort that you know, this generation has grown up in? That, in fact, some of this this is premised on inherited wealth.
6: absolutely agree with you, Sharad, because how come a youngster or a young people, younger people, young adult can afford something if it's not supported by the parents, our own Generation X or baby boomers, who are sponsoring <laughs> all these benefits that they are enjoying right now when they have not uh, struggled to find their mean, the means to live by themselves. You know what I mean? Uh, it's... It, it, if none of these uh, youngsters or new generations have not struggle to, to pay for rent, to pay for, for their own living, you cannot expect them to really understand the need to be ambitious and get more to be able to cover their basic needs. And once that you are covering your basic needs, okay, what are you going to do? Because basic needs can be farming, and it's okay, perfect, no problem. But if you feel okay with that, then that's it. That is what you are ambitioning to be,
2: Roberto. Thank you so much for calling and for sharing. Um, I believe that we also actually have uh, another another caller on the line with us. We've got Sajit. Uh, Sajit, good evening. What are your thoughts? Hi.
5: Good evening. I think uh, the question was about: Do you spend long hours, or do you uh, or do you just seek work-life balance? Right. Um. So I think if you really enjoy what you do, I think the the question comes back to that, right? If you if you really enjoy what you do, you don't really feel like you're working uh, long hours, and then you don't realize that you you you're putting in that extra effort anymore. Uh, given the comfort the newer generation has, where they don't have to like you just discussed, right? Don't have to struggle to meet the basic requirements. They have this comfort where they can spend time to find what they really enjoy. Right, so that that could actually fuel in uh, uh, that, that energy to do more work, work long hours, and BMB.
3: Sorry, it's a quick question: Do you think though that young people's critique of the of the previous generation is correct that there was an overemphasis on material wealth and working long hours to achieve it?
5: I think see, times change, right? Uh, priorities change with times. Um, there was a generation which was uh, a way which 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 experienced war survival was important so they they worked to for survival right then there was a generation which which worked to build a lifestyle which was which was the uh, older generation so every generation um does what they do for a reason right and and that's what the social needs and demands uh, um, uh, uh sorry the social needs demand so i think uh, uh Critique might, uh, as when you're not in the situation, you, you it's very easy to criticize.
2: Sajit, thank you so much for calling and for sharing your thoughts. Um, I I just wanted to say. Um, <laughs> I'm not convinced by the generational argument. <laughs> Can I just say that? I, I, I appreciate what uh, both Roberto and Sajid, what you both had to say, because I agree broadly with this idea of ambition and working hard and wanting to work hard, partly for the sake of it, partly for the enjoyment of uh, what you've chosen to do. Sherad, I want to take you up on this idea of uh, generational comfort, because I I agree that if you're talking about a middle class or upper middle class setting, that that's absolutely true. Um, in the context of China, though, which is where the term originated, I don't think we're talking about people necessarily living in that bracket. Instead, what they're saying is, uh, and it's not like they're not earning, right? Because uh, lying flat or letting it rot doesn't mean you don't have a job. It just means that you're not necessarily aiming to get higher um, within that job. And so actually what people are doing are scaling their lifestyles back. And you know what, Lynn, you're actually right. I mean, on one level, I've
3: seen this happen over the generations. There are always people like that. The question is, when does it tip over into a cultural shift, right? yeah, a shift yes, in yes. priorities, right? And that might just be seeing the the outer limits that this generation sees of the kind of ambitions their parents had. Whether it's uh, political or it's environmental, uh, younger people see that. And I think, you know, this is, my, this is where I'm very sympathetic with how young people are now starting to push back on those older values, the values of my generation, really, and say, well,
2: OK, we need to rethink this. So we're asking you, are you an ambitious person? Has that changed over the years? Um, you can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio.
5: Bring forth Moolah, BFM 89.9.
2: It's 6.38 and this is Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. We're talking today about ambition uh, and whether that's changed over time because of the lying flat phenomenon that originated from China, because people are also talking about quiet quitting. So the way people think about work is really changing and we want to know do you consider yourself an ambitious person? Do you find that it's changed over the years? You can call 7733 2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018 789 889 889 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, lots and lots of messages. So let's talk about the people who, who don't consider themselves ambitious or are no longer <laughs> ambitious. Cece says, The longer you work, the more you realise firsthand how companies gaslight you about work-life balance. There's no such thing as 20 or 30 years in one company anymore, and it's stupid to believe that this is the system you should adhere to. Find the balance for yourself. The best thing that happened early in my career was getting sacked from my first job two years in, not because of my performance, but because they were downsizing. It gave me the perspective that it didn't matter. Work was not a be-all, end-all.
3: So, you see, I absolutely, you know, kind of empathise with you because I've gone through life, I think, long enough to know that uh, jobs are not secure. I mean... T- we used to believe, I think maybe my parents' generation, both of them were civil servants, there was something like job security. I think that's largely diminished, though, uh, depending on the industry you are, you can imagine that this would be true. The thing is, what does it do to you, right, if you think that your job could disappear tomorrow? Either you become deeply anxious, and I think one of the experts that we played earlier was talking about the anxieties that people mm. have about job security, um, or you kind of just think, well, it's you know, a flip, a switch is flip and in your mind you're no longer going to be uh, anxious because you now your priorities are different and you're going to find work will be a strategy to do something to work live work will, there will always be other work yeah, for example there always be other yeah. work and you know if you keep your cost structure low you don't have to kill yourself to either keep that job or you know constantly um,
2: look for a new one we'll return to the messages in just a bit but we also have a caller with us we've got neural neural good evening what are your thoughts <laughs>
0: Hi, Good evening uh, Both of you uh, I'm Nurul I just want to share to you guys that um, I have a personal uh, I mean experience throughout my career <laughs> I'm so sorry Please don't apologise oh, It's fine friend. So yeah So I have been working 10 years throughout my career However I feel my ambitious ambition comes towards me after I had my family and uh, throughout my first and uh, first and second job I feel that I was in a situation where we are describing those in China where I feel very comfortable within doing what I'm doing at that current moment because as long as I have a amount of uh, salary coming into my account every single month and I have the Uh, enough sufficient funds for me to pay off whatever uh, uh, commitments that I have on that particular, you know, uh, journey of my life. And uh, other than that, I mean, it's just for me to have some fun throughout my uh, uh, single life and things like that. But after having a family, I feel that that uh, uh, feeling of wanting to have a direction in terms of my work and wanting to take extra Task and wanting to climb the ladder so that I can be, uh, 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 I can be, uh, I mean, I can climb the ladder, becoming a senior or uh, going upwards to a supervisor, things like that. Only comes after I, you know, after having a family, having to uh, support my children and things like that. So, uh, I really could uh, understand the situation uh what the China I mean the, the situation in China is because I feel that those people are feeling very comfortable in the current position that they have.
3: Nurul, can I ask you if part of the ambition comes from wanting to build something for your children?
0: Uh because I feel that uh uh I wanted to have uh, in order for me to give the best for my family, I need to have more money. <laughs> so in order for me to have more money is for me not to just jump around from one company to another but instead I need to just focus in what I have in my current position and you know the things that I have not done before where I try to really understand and you know in and out of the stars taking to have uh, I mean taking some time to understand uh, the the actual uh, reason why I'm doing the things that I'm doing at, the, at that moment. And indirectly, that makes me want to uh, indirectly broaden my knowledge for that uh, uh, scope of work that I'm doing. And I feel that people are getting... Uh, I mean, people are... My managers, my superiors, uh, you know... Get, trying to, I mean, get, uh, they are starting to uh, appreciate what I do and they also feeling feels that uh, they can rely on me on certain certain things. So that is how I feel that they can start giving me extra tasks and uh, I get the confidence from them in order for me to move upwards.
2: Nurul, thank you so much for calling and for sharing. I, I think that that actually paints a very real-life uh, picture of why... Uh, well, I, I think in some ways of how ambition fluctuates, but you, I think neural have a point that is shared with Roberto, which is that ambition isn't just about your job.
3: It isn't just about your job, but it's also... Uh, to the extent that it is about your job, it's about becoming so good at it, right? Yes, yes. So you're yes. driven, uh, not just to be okay. And I, I think Noral suggests that you know t- to be indispensable to your company because you have uh, the skills and you have a, a sense of the work that is you know deeper and better than others. But also maybe the personal satisfaction. I think which is also what you know Roberta was kind of leaning on that uh, professionalism. Uh, that comes from or is driven by ambition
2: really is uh, satisfying personally. Uh, Let's see. We also have Munif who says, I used to be ambitious. 2012, just graduated as an architect, raring to go, I wanted to litter the Malaysian urban landscape with signature designs of mine that would contribute to its sustainability, social growth and cultural identity. Or at least be part of a team that does precisely that. But years and years of instructions to degrade designs allocated for low-income tenants, cutting corners and various industrial malpractices withered my ambition a good amount. Not to mention the unfair pay, imbalanced lifestyle, exclusive glamour clubs monopolising jobs and hypocrisy from self appointed industry leaders. I am and always will be passionate about the art of architecture and designing, but that's not the case for the industry I operate in. How can I be ambitious when I know I could never be the best I could possibly be in such a rigged and uncaring industry, in my humble personal opinion?
3: Munif, you know, I feel for you. In many ways, I I, I don't know why, Munif, I was thinking of Austin Wells. I was thinking of Austin Wells as this amazing director, but who's a up against the hollywood system and in how in many ways his genius you know beyond citizen kane was always hemmed by um, you know all, all the kind of limitations that hollywood as a commercial entity was and and that's what you are i mean you're an architect with with a love for you know the, the profession of architecture at its best at its most aspirational uh hemmed in by the realities of a of an industry that's driven Uh, in many ways, by profit
2: and and the bottom line. Yeah, so I think that actually what we're getting at is, um, I don't mean to talk about the definition of ambition, um, but in some ways we are getting at that, about what we mean when we say ambition. Because I think that um, for most of us, I want to say, especially those of us of a competitive mindset, the idea of ambition tends to come with the notion of best, at least I think so, that you kind of come up and you think that you're going to be the best, a star, the 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 foremost, the whatever it might be, whatever adjective you want to put to that, and then. Um Either you come up against personal limitations where you realise, oh, I'm not the best. (laughs) you know, That's fine. Um, Or you start to realise, oh, I see. Um, The industry that I want to be in, actually, I don't want to be the best in anymore because I think it's a terrible industry. Um, The company that I always dreamed of joining, it turns out, isn't the company that I want to be in. I I think that the ways in which we think about ambition and how it gets knocked back and what it means to us, whether we define ourselves as ambitious people, it's interesting because... Ideally, it would just be personally driven. If I were ambitious, I'm always going to be ambitious. But the truth of it is that um, we get edged off by reality, I think.
3: Yeah, so the reality, I mean, this is how I have felt about journalism, you know, the last you know three decades, which is that, yes, it's the fourth estate, but it's also a commercial proposition. And so I think anybody who's passionate about journalism, about telling the truth or speaking truth to power, whatever it is, uh, you know, it's always going to be hemmed in by the realities of the industry, and especially in Malaysia where it's quite small and then also divided linguistically. So if you're an English-language journalist, you have the options just shrink phenomenally, right, uh, as opposed to a country where there's, there are much more options. But even in those countries, in the you know, the countries that had a vibrant press, you know, suddenly you find that, you know, Robert, uh, Rupert Murdoch has taken over everything, so you're actually only just working for one man, uh, and, uh, and you might not want to do that right so unless you find independent projects or you find another way of realizing ambitions then you get resigned to
2: uh, a much more kind of constrained sense of what uh, you once believed. We haven't even started talking about money and how <laughs> ambition might not relate to money in the end in any way or form. But messages are talking about that. We'll return to them. Let us know. Um, we're asking you are you an ambitious person? Do you consider yourself ambitious? Has that changed over the years and why? You can call double seven double three 2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio.
5: Building Fit Malaysians, BFM 89.9.
2: BFM 89.9, it's 6.51. And that was St. Vincent with Actor Out of Work. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. And we're talking today about the notion of ambition and how it's changed over the years, how, in fact, maybe different generations view it differently. Um, this originated from the many think pieces and documentaries that have emerged about China's lying flat phenomenon in which its younger folk um, feeling the pressure of a... Um, feeling the pressure of an economy itself under pressure, um, of the job hunt being too much, of just all of it being a lot, um, have essentially decided that they don't want to live those lives. They don't want to hustle. They don't want to necessarily try more than they have to in the workplace. Instead, they're just existing, lying flat. So we're asking you, do you consider yourself an ambitious person? Uh, and has that changed over the years? You can call 7733 2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018 789 8899, and tweet us at BFM Radio. All right, a couple of people talking about the generational thing. Uh, Anon says, No, I'm not ambitious. In fact, I'm a rather lazy person, but I'm also a realist. I need to feed myself. So I must earn my keep, including being able to have some niceties. So I make sure I do my tasks well. Because because it's human nature to want some level of dignity, but no, I'm not ambitious. I just take pride in being a decent, responsible person. By the way, I'm a boomer, but people should be responsible for the choices they make and not blame the generations before. They should also remember a lot that uh, they should also remember a lot that we enjoy today are built on those foundations.
3: That's very interesting, Anand. Um, yeah, I think agree with your last point. Uh, we often don't recognize the foundations which, uh, you know, our own success or our own possibilities are essentially founded on. I mean, you know, I think of my own family and what my parents did, solid people, worked, I don't know, two employers in their entire lives and, you know, were responsible, you know, bought property and all those things, which, which actually come back to me, right? I have the sense of security because of what my mother and my father did uh, as civil servants. And so that's, I think, very important important to remember. But but then, as you say, you know, you can't blame the previous generation, what you chart for yourself. Um, and even in my generation, people fell out and people chose not to play the game.
2: So it's interesting because, Anon, I'm not sure whether you mean generations and in the way that Sharad is talking about, where we talk about our parents um, versus generation in terms of the generation before you that made policies that now mean that certain things are out of um, financial touch for you. Because I think those things are different. Um, if you are talking about, because, because Anon says they're a boomer, which makes me wonder, because I, I agree that on a very personal level, um, maybe always kind of looking back to your parents is, is not the path towards you achieving financial peace, if not financial freedom. Um, but what we're talking about now in terms of the generational thing is very often people saying, yeah, but... Generationally, you all had it different, and and therefore maybe not decisions, but maybe putting the same expectations on people now um, is unfair. Actually, I was talking to my father about this because I am. Uh, we were a four person household, so two two children two parents, double income. And actually, if I compare my childhood <laughs> to what I think I would be able to afford for any child of mine now, um, it's so wildly different. And I think I'm earning, I we've talked about, I've talked about this with my parents. I earn more than them, technically. Uh, but the things that I would be able to afford for a child today, not the same. We went on, holidays two or three times a year. We lived very comfortably. We ate out most weekends. There are just a lot of things that we did that looking back, I now recognize as luxuries. Um, But my father in this conversation also said, no, I don't think you would be able to afford it now. It's different. Um, The cost of living is just too high. And so I think when we talk about generation, it's not blame so much as it is, maybe we cannot be expected to live up to the same expectations. I think that's more the tone of it.
3: Yeah, there is also this... uh I think, plain fact, that especially for the generation coming out of independence, the opportunities were extraordinary. And so if you were like the first lawyer, the first doctor, the first batch of whatever, you really did come to the top very quickly. And you could monopolize it and you could make vast amounts of money. That generation's children... Could not see the same leap in circumstance that that generation uh, experienced, right? So my parents' generation was hugely from their previous, uh, from their parents. Their children can't expect to have that. It just, I, with the exceptions, of course, it was just not. A possible just because things are ossified and this is a, the thing in you know coming back to you know so, the sociology of what's happening in China is that things are ossifying.
2: Yes right? um, and, and so I, I think maybe it's not helpful to talk about it in terms of blame and, and this idea of allocating blame so much as it is just maybe people use the language of blame but in many instances what you're talking about or what we, I guess, um, millennials and downwards are talking about, is really just the frustration of being expected to have the same quality of life with very different earning and spending capacity. Uh, Meanwhile, Liana says, I'm ambitious in the sense that I value salary and I want to work hard to move up the social ladder. um, In other words, give my family better things than what my parents gave me. I feel grateful that I'm in a job that pays for my hustle and as I get more senior, I'm around six years in, I get more control over work and life. Now, I'm 10 years in with the company, two kids, I feel like I'm so blessed with the balance I have. I always thought it's easy for me to feel grateful because I have a good job with good pay, boss, team... All of my predecessors before me never left until they got headhunted. But then again, my analyst just resigned after two years for apparently no reason. They're just curious to explore other things. I've accepted the fact that I don't understand them. Lol. Um, Also, she turned from a star analyst to quiet quitting overnight since she resigned. Is this normal and acceptable now? I still keep in touch with my ex-boss from my previous firm 10 years ago. Do Gen Z's not care anymore about rapport?
3: Yeah, Liana, I, I I don't understand it in you know in the specifics of what you're saying. Uh, meaning, I don't I don't always understand the choices people, young people, make. But I, I kind of respect, I think I respectful generally that they see the world in different ways, and the possibilities that have been offered them
2: are also different. I think actually it might be that people see the workplace and therefore the relationships they form in the workplace differently that this question of rapport and owing people reasons and things like that um, increasingly maybe people just don't feel that way anymore
3: yeah i think it because they they no longer feel an, an emotional attachment to mm-hmm. so the language we use about you know and we talked about this yesterday you know like the company is like a family and and all, all that just it, you know a lot of people just don't see that anymore they don't believe it can be true because uh, push come to shove, you know, when profits are down and when things, the profit margins shrink, uh, companies don't think twice about retrenching you. So where's the family? You don't retrench family, do you? But you will you, uh, retrench your worker.
2: So tell us, uh, we're talking today about ambition and how that's changed. Um, and we want to know personally for you, do you consider yourself ambitious? And has it changed over the years? You can call, you can send us a voice note or WhatsApp and tweet us at BFM Radio.
5: Because Freedom Matters, BFM 89.9
2: It is 7.08 and this is Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. Uh, The origins of our story today come from a, at this point, not that new phenomenon from China. Uh, It's called lying flat or letting it rot. Um, Two slightly different things, but the, the idea of lying flat is that you no longer try. Um, that you you get employed or whatever, but that you're not trying at your job, you're not going above and beyond you're you're not trying to do things as quickly as possible. you're not trying to ascend. Uh, letting it rot is actually taking it a step further and just kind of I think furthering the apathy that comes with um, lying flat. And so we were asking you essentially how you feel about this, but also whether you consider yourself an ambitious person, whether you find that that has shifted over the years, because I think it tends to for a lot of people. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Let's start things off now with um, Michael who says, I was And still am very ambitious. But sometimes life just kicks you down. I have an incredible support system and safety net. Yet I feel the temptation and I understand why someone would lie flat or let it rot. I am from Gen Y. I led a very frugal lifestyle to afford to buy a house and I still needed some parental help. I can't imagine doing that if I was born 10 years later. I can see why some would rather do the minimum. They have no chance anyway. At least that's how that feels. Uh, CG, meanwhile, different generation saying I'm 50 plus. The middle income trap makes me now feel like lying flat. I would rather spend more time with my young kids.
3: Yeah, Michael. I mean, you know, the 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 truth is, and I think you've just sort of nailed it, is saying that there's a generation that actually. Can no longer be enthused about these um, ambitions, right? The house, the car, the the holidays abroad, and all these things, because it really has become out of reach. And so, what do you do to a population or a generation when you tell them, on one hand, this is why you should be giving you 110 percent, at the same time, you don't give them the resources to achieve that. And uh, and I think this is what we're seeing, right? With a lot of people, uh, they no longer blame themselves as they might have previously, and they would be. Call the lazy, the slackers, the this, the quitters. When in fact,
2: it it's actually a system rigged against them. That and I think, as we are seeing that CG mentioning their age, right, fifty plus. Um, there are a few things behind that. One is that the middle income trap grinds people down. Um, I think it's something that a lot of people feel and it's in some ways, uh, if we don't make it so generational, it's something that I think collectively is, is is felt, especially if you didn't spend enough time or you didn't have that much time to accumulate the wealth before you, get, you got caught in it. Um, the other thing is that spend more time with my young kids. Family is something that's come up quite a lot and a big reason for why you might decide, you know what, I I just don't want to do the 12-hour days. It's not something that I'm keen on doing anymore. Yeah,
3: I I, I get that, you know, but the trap is also for a particular generation, uh, ageing parents and young kids, kids, right? And so the ageing parents, and this is kind of the paradox of better healthcare and all that, is that people not, not only Aging, but they're living so long, and um, how do I say this delicately? The b- the burden they place on that middle generation is huge, right? And so you're looking after your parents well beyond their earning capacity, and perhaps their savings, and still have to look after your young family or children going to university. And what's happened to uh, higher education? Especially, everything is so commercialized. And so you know. Previously, you could actually get away with not paying very much for university. Now you pay huge amounts. So what do you do? I mean, you're you're kind of
2: like really structurally trapped. Some people are rethinking ambition in specific ways. Uh, Adi says, Being ambitious is not wrong. You just need limits and wealth should not be priority number one. The hard part is accepting the fact that you're not a high-income earner and starting to live within your means. Rial, meanwhile, says, I've always been ambitious and I continue to be. However, I've become less of a careerist. The main reason is because compared to before, our hard work is less compensated because of internal company and external market factors. Coupled with slowing wage growth and accelerating inflation, it no longer uh, makes sense to grow your career within a company. Now people rather would rather not be overstressed with work and do side hustles. It's at least something we can control. In the end, people just want control over their life.
3: Adia, let's, I would like to respond to your kind of uh, idea of living with your means. And I've actually had friends like that very early on, you know, uh, who said to themselves, I'm going to keep my cost structure really low. like Literally, you know, somebody who says, I'm going to rent and I'm going to live, and because you know, this person doesn't have family. And so they they could actually not do all the things that, you know, some of us decided to do, like buy a house and get a mortgage. And, and that really was liberating. It meant that he had to live in a particular way. But uh, yes, that's definitely a strategy. Uh, the careerist thing, I think, is quite interesting. That yes, I,
2: uh, I, I'm actually very interested in that point about, uh, real. real. Uh, I'm actually very interested in that point about careerist, because I think that, like I said, m- as a child, my understanding of ambition was very, somewhat flat, I think, you know, um, as it tends to be, because we are a culture, not just us, but around the world, of superlatives. You, you recognise the the bests, you recognise the the champions. And so I think when you're younger, the idea of ambition often focuses on that. And if you do that, then the careerist way of thinking is, um, I don't know, in, in the media setting, it's to become an editor-in-chief. Um, if it's in the corporate setting, it's to be CEO, it's to be part of the board of directors. You know, it's to really ascend. And I think kind of recalibrating that especially if you're in a company that doesn't have that traditional structure is interesting
3: yeah the one thing uh, because talking about shapes is it's a pyramid so as you get to the peak there's just so many positions they're going to be so you know um, how many people can can actually achieve it there was a time when everybody felt it was a fair fight Right, and so we all fight. And when you don't win, okay, you you know you, you're not a soul if you're not a sore loser, you accept it. Uh, you know he was better or she was better than me. That's why they got to the top. Increasingly, I think people don't don't buy that anymore. They just say, hey, the the game was not that we
2: all had a fair shake. No, it was rigged. Yeah, it was rigged. It was rigged, and I think that's actually what Rial is pointing to that. Um, my company isn't what it was, my industry maybe uh, isn't what it was and slowing wage growth, not that much uh, not that much growth in that direction. So why am I still working so hard when it's slowing so much? And I think this is part of what causes that kind of shift in mindset. The,
3: you know, the side hustle, uh, side comment, I thought was very interesting because I do see that a lot. I do see people who have that stable job for which they are kind of lying flat, or they're not going to, you know, push too hard, and then they find something of passion, which is their side hustle, and that I think is an interesting development. To the extent that you work in the industry, that allows you that side hustle.
2: Yeah, um, I I have thoughts about this, but it's very much related to, you know, a certain degree of good fortune, and also the fact that my central job is busy because I this this job that you and I do, um, you know, it, it is it is a busy job. And so I, I personally would never monetize my passions, um, partly because I don't want to turn them into another source of pressure. Um, so in my hobbies, I, I lie flat. I, I don't think I'm using that right, but I, I don't necessarily think about it in terms of money for yeah. that reason. And this is why I would never call
3: your work in sewing uh, a side hustle, because you're not monetizing it, but, yeah. you know, and it doesn't have the same kind of structure as somebody who wants to find uh, something that's, that's independent of a company. And that's yes. often something personally directed, right? And so there you see some interesting developments. And there is a, a tipping point in which the side hustle becomes viable as the real
2: thing. And then you just dump the whole job, I guess. Yes, I think that's the dream in many ways. Just quickly, I wanted to respond to Azami, who says, being ambitious and striving for personal growth in given employment are two different things. Lying flat is another, and it's very negative. So I agree with you, Azami, about being ambitious and personal growth being different. Um, It can be easy to conflate the two. I think for some people, they are the same, um, but they don't have to be. Lying flat being very negative, I think, is interesting because you and I, Sherrod, have been trying to talk about it in, um, I think, neutral terms, you know, pointing out that it comes from very specific things in the Chinese context, but that you can extend it worldwide. Do you actually think it's negative? Uh,
3: No, I'm actually, I think it's a... well, I think it's negative in in one specific way, but I think as a reaction, I see it as something that is understandable, in fact, rational, considering the constraints that the people who decide to lie flat, uh, you know, uh, kind of opt for that. But it's negative in that if it, if it deprives you of, or de- paralyzes you, then the question is, well, you know, what kind of life is that, right? If it if you never find a uh, way out of it, then can you imagine a life lived flat? And that can't be good. So that's where it's negative. I, I don't blame the people for wanting the life flat. Sure.
2: I, I Sometimes I wonder. Um, so actually, I think, I, I don't know, I feel like we can all remember times, or I, I would think, where we rub up against something that is... Not part of our value system, and so for somebody who is um, raised middle class, and my family's, you you know, I'm middle class quite a few generations back. um, So there are, I'm firmly so. My my value system is as such, and I remember the first time it was challenged with this idea of actually, you know, when you think about money, what does it mean to you? You know, why do you need it? Like those kinds of questions. Have you considered the lives or? the The kind of not I wouldn't say struggles, but the perspectives of people who don't have those same value systems or that you know all of that. And I remember it very clearly. and I feel as if, in the case of um lying flat, I'm rubbing up against it again because I think the response to your point about how would life be lived if it were flat is that maybe I lived it, you know, with my family, maybe I lived it, enriching my life in every other way other than my career, which I sustained enough to sustain myself. I have to admit that doesn't appeal to me, but I can't say it's negative. I I think rational is a good word for it. Yeah. So if that is in fact what you do with your life,
3: right? Yes, correct. If it's not, yeah, yeah. Because I think when you look at the stories about what uh, and and the different responses to, you know, lying flat or letting it rot, um, uh, letting it rot actually has a, actually a feeling of, um, defiance it's because the examples that were given by this young Chinese uh, bloke was he says well you know my boss tells me to do something I say I'll do it tomorrow uh, if, you know or why did you ask somebody else to do it so it, it there's a sense of defiance in that right you're not trying to please the boss um, when you say let it rot but um, but yeah if if the response of lying flat is you find other things and you know and and
2: and those give you value then you know more power to to you keep those thoughts coming. Do you consider yourself an ambitious person? Has it changed over the years? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, tweet us at BFM radio.
5: Break from mediocrity, BFM eighty nine point nine.
2: It is 7.20 and this is Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. We're closing things off on the subject of ambition um, by, well, asking you, do you consider yourself an ambitious person? or And has it changed over the years? That number to call, 7773-2900. Uh, that number to voice note or WhatsApp is 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. On the side of things, uh, let's start off with a voice note. This is Arshad.
7: I am a millennial, I would say I'm pretty ambitious but um, I would also say that I am also very fortunate. So being a millennial, I don't claim to know how younger minds work. I think I'm very much disconnected from Gen Z. But I think if I look back at when I got my SPM cert and I was, we were all sort of thinking about what we wanted to do for the rest of our lives at that impossibly young age, what was um, recommended was that um, we Google and we find out uh, top 10 most well-paying jobs and then basically choose a degree working towards those jobs, um, which was like the least icky. So if you liked business, then maybe you'd go into a business degree and what have you. So um, thinking back on that, I think maybe you could find yourself as a younger person And in this very, very competitive society, in a place where um, you are not happy with where you are once you've graduated, and um, basically finding that you have basically dedicated your life towards the whims of the economy, um, so to speak. And so when you're in that position, then the job feels more like the reward for your suffering rather than the thing that you want to do, the thing that motivates you, and uh, maybe there's also some disenfranchisement as well where you feel like in like because uh, it's so competitive that you can't make any more meaningful change and that all those all the problems that you would want to solve are just basically kept from you gatekeeping in a way like from the skills that you have built the degree that you took the circles social circles that you run in and all those sorts of stuff i don't know
2: arshad thank you for that um i I think that's, I think that's a really interesting perspective, and it's a good point about how. Actually, this is something that I personally struggle with as a millennial. Also, um, I remember thinking that I didn't think that people before my generation could understand the array of jobs that were available to me, and I now find myself in a very similar position where I look at new courses, uh, new developments in higher education and think wow I I can't imagine the array of jobs that are going to be available to the people in the generation after me you know and it's that right we are all shaped in some ways by the limitations of what we think we can do as a career Um, and it's for a variety of reasons sometimes it's because the careers in fact were limited Um, and sometimes it's because you just wanted to be practical and earn money, you know, and you might not have been dreaming that big sometimes.
3: Yeah, Asha, by the way, I think you are uh, extraordinarily articulate. I mean, you kind of like uh, put your finger on the on the pulse of so many of the kinds of uh, dilemmas that we have today um, and the recognition, I think... I think what's happened is that we've all become super reflective about our lives. And it's something that, you know, I mean, Greek philosophers said, you know, uh, that we should do. We should be super articulate. But in, in, there were generations that just were kind of on... Automatic drive. I mean, we we just thought, okay, this was the template, this was the this is the track we're on, and now uh, because of the the multiple crises that we have, and like including COVID, right? COVID. I mean, just the whole world stopped for a while. Uh, that you get to reflect, and I think that reflection hasn't always produced
2: happiness. Perhaps it's produced more clarity, but not necessarily happiness. z uh, y says. Long story alert, I was a media student and on many levels often considered a try-hard, always trying to over-deliver. I want to work hard to grow faster and more. But what awaits me in the job market as a visual editor, the work environment just didn't require me to work any harder or do anything more. Simply following the template was good enough for our local TV stations. YouTubers 10 years ago were coming up with better videos by amateurs. We in Malaysia need not do better. There's nothing new to learn. Eventually, I got burnt out and depressed for trying to do more in an environment that didn't need me to. I ended up having. Having some reclusive years, resenting myself for giving up, and I lost many friends in the process because I'm the slacker. Uh, in my period of managing the situation to rejoin society, I did the bare minimum at a new job in food manufacturing. I did not enjoy it at all. It was very very boring. Now I'm on another line of work and I've gone back to being a try-hard. I still enjoy it. I lowered my expectations for others. I focused on what I can do, which worked well until recently. I've built systems and made improvements for the company, but I'm reaching my limits because any further improvements requires buy-in from my old-fashioned, to put it politely, colleagues. I may have to stop my efforts soon and go back to quiet quitting. The generational thought process gap is real and systematically we do not want people to work more or better.
3: Yeah, well, you know... uh I don't think try-hard is a good way of describing oneself. I mean, it's it's so negative and I think it's self-defeating because what seems to me is the problem is mediocrity and in the environment, not you.
2: We've also got a voice note uh, from Dafim.
8: Hey, Dafim here. So I think the definition of ambition or what ambition actually means and what do you need to sacrifice to be ambitious in a career has been redefined in many ways, Right. I'm from, I'm a millennial, right? Early 30s, you know, was pretty ambitious when I started my career. Um, But then, especially COVID, you know, during COVID, I came to realize what I was missing because during COVID, I had my first child and the amount of time and the quality of time I could spend with my family raising this little baby was just something I had no clue that I was going to miss out. So let's say if COVID did not happen, I was at work eight to ten hours a day and just come on weekends, that would have taken away the joy of raising a child as a father, right? And more and more when you say passion, it comes with a caveat that you do sacrifice on family life. Then to think of it, I, I guess, starting from the millennial generation, are you willing to do that? Is that worth being passionate for? uh, losing a family life because at the end of the day what are you working for right are you working just to climb the career ladder and that is it what about having a family going with your family connecting to your family and this could be parents as well siblings as well overseas so for me hence since covid the whole definition of you know being passionate about career has changed i do i do minimum to survive no i still have the energy to you know give it above average to make sure that I do climb the career ladder, but then I have a limit now. Very, a very strong uh, opinion that there is a limit that I'm not going to cross if it comes to sacrificing time with my family, and if it means not climbing all the way to a head or department or sea level, then be it. Opportunities are endless nowadays, especially uh, due to remote roles and, you know, whatever COVID did to all opportunities, There are many opportunities which wasn't the case for, let's say, my parents' generation. My father worked in the same company in the Middle East for 25 years, right? And not that because he loved it, there was no other opportunity uh, that would allow him to easily move around. But in our case, it's very different. Hence, the definition of passionate needs to change as well.
2: Dafim, thank you so much for uh, sharing in that voice note. We do still have so many other messages and voice notes that have come in, but unfortunately, we are out of time. We do have to head to the 7.30 news. Thank you, everybody, for getting in touch. This has been Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You have been listening
0: to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.